and welcome to the Trash Tapes podcast as part of the Enigmatic Productions Network. If you love bad cinema and incredible deep dives into cult film, then you have come to the right place. So if you like what you hear and want to support us, you can do so by donating some funds to our Buy Me A Coffee website, along with the ACAR supporter feature. All of these can be found in the description below. And now, on with the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Right. Oh, okay, I'm ready. My body is ready. <laughs> I, I have to be ready. It's fucking Street Fighter the movie. Your uh, body's ready, but is your mind? Heck no. No one here ready. Oh, I remember these. Yeah! Well, is, this... it, is it an advert for stereo? Yeah. Dolby. Mm. The sound of the future now playing. Why? I think the best one of those is like, is it THX? But it goes. <laughs> the, the Simpsons made a joke about that. Well, guy's head exploded. Chin chin. With your tiger beer. Tiger beer. Tiger uppercut. One man's trash is another man's torture. Starring Johan Chappal as the inflictor of pain and Edward Harvey as the victim. From Studio Enigmatic comes the trash tapes. everyone and welcome to now the fifth episode of the trash tapes where one man's trash is another man's torture and oh boy is it very much relevant today as we, i am here with my victim edward harvey how are you doing i'm all right thank you i think we're both the victims today uh, uh, yeah and my name is Yaron chapal and usually in picture of pain but we had to suffer through what our, was our next movie now What's interesting is that usually uh, we come round, uh, you know, I come round once a month with a bad movie to watch. And most of the bad movies we've had have been fun, right? Yeah. Like, we'd say we've been fun, we've enjoyed ourselves, we've had beer, snacks, whale of a time, right? Now, because the, around this time we're recording, it's the 30th anniversary of Street Fighter, mm. which we love as a gaming franchise, right? We thought, why not? I think I, 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 we shouldn't have done this because what we now had to go through 
was Street Fighter the movie. After seven months of fighting, the civil war in Shadaloo may have reached the turning point. The capital has just fallen. In December 1994, the forces of freedom will face a power-mad dictator in a struggle for the fate of the world. Who wants to go home and who wants to go with me? Street Fighter the movie. And you were fooled by your childhood memory of it because you you liked it as a kid, didn't you? When I was a kid, I actually was a fan of this film. Yeah. Maybe because I was a bit stupid. Maybe because I also liked the Mortal Kombat movie at the time. And I just thought, oh, great fighting movies. Yeah. And stuff like that. It was goofy, it's childish. And looking, actually, the movie is really fucking goofy, right? Mm. But. This movie has deflated me after watching it. I think, like what we said in a lot of the commentary, the betrayal of the characters. The characters just aren't portraying the right characters. They just—it's just they're not right at all. Nothing. It's absolutely like twaddle what they've done with this, right? And it's just—and it's the thing, right? Okay, now if you've watched this. If you ever watched this movie without understanding a thing about Street Fighter, you'd still think it's a terrible movie. But mm. it would make... It would just be, like, very shallow and, like, non-existent and all the references would make no sense, right? But watching it knowing who the Street Fighter characters are, especially if you're a fan of Street Fighter 2... It's even worse. It's, it's even worse! It's like, not only is it a bad movie for people who've never seen Street... or played Street Fighter games, it's even worse for anyone who's even touched the controller or knows who any of these characters are, right? And this is why it's deflating. Majority of the commentary is actually us going, that's not like the game. What the fuck is this? Who is this? Why is that guy a dickhead? What's this guy? You're not even tall enough. You're the wrong ethnicity. How are you this? <laughs> Ugh. Why is Balrog a cameraman? I'm sorry. I'm Why is Balrog a cameraman? Why is he Honda a Samoan? <laughs> right? Ryu and Ken, dick gangster guys. Why are they arms dealers? <laughs> Where are they there in the first place? Why is Guile, who is a supposedly an American, played by Jean-Claude fucking Van Damme, who can't even attempt an American accent, and clearly is high on coke? <sighs> I haven't seen this movie for years. Same. It's just... This... I think I've avoided it. Have you purposely avoided it? Because <laughs> for me... Uh-oh, here it comes. Oh, it's like... So butch, the music, straight away. It's like masculine military music. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Roll Julia. Madly men. <laughs> the ultimate battle. Okay. One thing I instantly hated about this film is that they pick the weirdest storyline that's nothing to do with any of the main characters and they make that into the movie. <laughs> okay, right. Let, before we get even more angry, right, let's attempt to break down this movie, all right? So, this movie was uh, is a 1994 film 
based off the Street Fighter franchise done by Capcom, right? That is very obvious. This was during a time in a weird period where video games were starting to get very popular because you had the Super Nintendo, the Sega Mega Drive, people yeah. were going to arcades. So it wasn't actually that uncommon f- for them to start making video game movies, right? They started off with things like bloody... Pfft, like Mario Brothers movie, but we're, we're, we're never touching that one. I'm already putting a dib on it. We're not touching that one. If we couldn't survive this properly, how the fuck are we going to do Mario Brothers? Yeah. With that, with, um, with fucking... Who played him? With Mario. Played Mario. Um, Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Played Mario. <laughs> who, apparently, he was drunk on set the entire time because it was that garbage. Mm. It's like that legit of a mess. I can't remember that. I don't remember hating that movie, but I think I was dead young, so I didn't really acknowledge it too much. Garbage. But here's the thing, though. What is your opinion on video game movies? Let's go as a whole. Like, do they work or not? Um, n- not usually. I mean, it's, it's very rare if they work. I do quite like some of the... Uh, uh, the Tomb Raider movies are all right. Yeah. Like, the... The Angelina Jolie one's a bit of fun. And the, the recent Tomb Raider movie was was good. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, I, I did mean, too. It, it's not like the best film in the world, but in terms of converting a game to a movie, they did mm. a good job, I thought. They've yeah. done, they did it enough yeah. that was original and based on the game that you're, like, not offended by it, right? Mm. So it's like a good medium. Um, I liked, I actually liked the Silent Hill movie, even yeah. though, even though they did change a little bit from the game, but they had to. And everything with Sean Bean in it was a complete waste of time. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, there were loads of these kind of movies. Like, you know, do you remember Double Dragon, the movie? No. The Double Dragon, the movie. That was a thing. Obviously, Street Fighter. Mortal Kombat. Mm. And Mortal Kombat Annihilation. The movie after that, that was garbage. Uh, Prince of Persia. They made a Prince of Persia movie. Doom. Yeah. That we have learned that video game movies don't work. Because video games really... The pl- movie, video games are not about story. Like, not the majority of the time, right? Let's mm. not lie. Like, when, you see, when you're playing Street Fighter, you're not in there because, like, oh, I really want to know what the backstory of all these people are. Yeah. You don't care. You want to know if you can pull a fucking flying hurricane punch, right? That's all you care about. Mm. Um, but in a movie, you can't just go, let's look at all the punches. You need a plot. You need mm. a story. You need yeah. something. And that's what I struggled with with this movie because the plot is non-existent. Um, to the point that I, the only way I can figure out clearly what the plot is to some degree is get over the back of the DVD case and read it aloud and see if anything rings a bell. <laughs> so, Shadaloo, Southeastern Asia, 1995. Okay, we're there. We know that. Mm. Right, so the movie starts in this basically this fake South Asian country, right? So a civil war enters its seventh month. Warlord General M. Bison, played by Raul Julia, basically Gomez Adams, right? Virtually brings about global warfare when he he takes 63 Allied Nation relief workers hostage and threatens to execute them unless a ransom of $20 billion is paid. It is the mission of Colonel William F. Guile, played by Jean-Claude Van Damme, 
to rescue the hostages, but he has to locate them first. As part of an audacious plan, audacious is the word because the plan is ridiculous, to track down the general and his, and his futuristic fortress, Guile and British intelligence officer Cammy, played by Kylie Minogue of all people, <laughs> which is interesting casting. Um... Recruit recruit to their forces two renegade heroes who happen to be Ryu and Ken, right? Which is fucking ridiculous. However, their entire plan is nearly squashed when TNT news correspondent Chung Li Zhang, so we now got Chung Li into the mix, intervenes and she wants more than just a story. Now, action reaches fever pitch as Guile, Bison and their forces clash in a fierce battle and the fate of the free world hangs in the balance. Okay, does any of that sound like a fighting game? <laughs> I think they, they just, they got, they overcomplicated it. Mm. They, they, like, you, like we were saying that when we were watching it, it's, it's too political and it's too like, I, I, what I think Street Fighter... Uh, movie should be like mm. is more like you know the original idea for like Bruce Lee's Game of Death where it's kind of like different fighters against yeah. each other from different styles yeah and it's kind of like um, the ultimate challenge for, from around the world all these mm. fighters are put together yeah and they have to fight every every uh, style uh, like mm. you know and, and like try and um, work out who's the the world world's best fighter yeah yeah and it should it, i i think street fighter film should be like that like about a championship mm. where like fighters have come together and they have to fight and then maybe there's some kind of like backstory about some of the characters and, and what they're up to behind the scenes mm. but mainly about a tournament this is how the movie came to be all right there was actually quite a lot here in terms of production, which is fascinating. And it shows how the studio and Capcom were constantly at loggerheads at each other, mm. okay? So because Capcom was the co-financer of the film, right, um, every aspect of the production had to require their approval. So Capcom approved this bullshit. Oh, I bet there was, like, a lot of sort of... Um talks in offices though for it yeah and uh, like I studio fighting like, i don't think they'd be like literally just signing off straight away i think i think basically there'd be moments where the studio say we're gonna make this a war movie and capcom's like no what are you talking about and it's like oh we're gonna do this oh we'll have bison like this and it had to be at loggerheads and they had to maybe do enough changes the studio had to do enough changes and capcom had to bend their back a bit in order mm. to make what the hell this is right among other things it was mandated to be released in december 1994 so this was supposed to come out christmas time 1994, right? Yeah. Which is a very odd time to release it anyway, which required the cast and crew to maintain an aggressive filming schedule. Like, it was aggressive, right? He basically, the director and the writer of this, D'Souza, who actually ended up directing quite a few other movies, uh, said he wrote the initial draft of the script overnight... Being made aware that Capcom executives were in Los Angeles on short notice, and because he himself was a fan of the game, he had to write it in at night to give it to him on the day so they can start shooting immediately. God. Right? Capcom had long envisioned... Actually, this is the thing. You know how we said that Jean-Claude Van Damme in this movie was, like, terrible, right? Mm. Oddly enough, Capcom envisioned that Jean-Claude Van Damme was always supposed to be Guile the entire time, and asked him to be the cast. But here's the thing was, Van Damme, you know what role he turned down? He turned down the role 
of Johnny Cage in the Mortal Kombat movie to do this one. Right. So he he, he left one video game movie to do this video game movie. I suppose it's because he's the lead in this one. I guess so. And Johnny Cage isn't the lead in Mortal Kombat. But it's more appropriate for, for Van Damme. It's far more appropriate yeah. for Jean-Claude Van Damme to have been Johnny Cage than this. Isn't like... I mean, Johnny Cage is basically based on Van Damme. That Pretty much, yeah. Because he does the splits and stuff, doesn't he? Exactly. Like, yeah. um, and Jean-Claude Van Damme did reveal that he was, in fact, having a drug problem during the string filming, which... <laughs> That's a surprise. Whoa. But also, here's something he didn't realise I looked at now. He was had... That he had... An extramarital affair with Kanye Minogue on set. Oh God! Ooh! So uh, no wonder they were a bit more coupley on set. They were like, "Oh, we're also banging each other." Oh, well, then again, oh God! <laughs> uh, I, I kind of uh, disappointed in Kylie for giving into Van Damme's charms. <laughs> charms of coke. <laughs> because my God! All right, it's a. Uh, it's ridiculous. That, that that surprises me. This could be the break we need. If Sagat runs guns to Bison, then he's got to know where Bison is hiding. All we have to do is to infiltrate someone into his gang. Who is... No one speaks like this. <laughs> it's basically just... It's just Van Damme, isn't it? Like, it's not Guy at all. It's Van Damme. Damn, it's Van Damme. It's like being himself. I think it's Van Damme. Uh, he's, he's, he's reading... He's saying the lines. Like, he's remembering the lines as he is going along. Like, he's saying... It's either the cocaine. <laughs> He looks as if every time he's on, he's shooting, he's, he's he's on a downer. Like he's done the cocaine, he's been a couple of hours now, and he looks a little ragged, right? So it's been like he's he's just finished a cocaine binge, and he's now saying, "Now go and act." It's really disgustingly tiring. Because every time he has to deliver a line, it's kind of like he's remembering it in his head, <laughs> and he says it in chunks, doesn't he? Yeah. Da 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 da. And you think you like say it as a sentence. (laughs) You're like, so if me and Bison are supposed to be in combat, like a really shit like Captain Kirk. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing: most after Van Damme was cast and Raul Julia played, you know, was Bison. Here's the thing that explains so much about the movie, right? Most of the casting budget was spent. (laughs) All right, Van Damme's fee alone was about eight million dollars. And the movie was $35 million. Mm. So this meant that the majority of the other parts had to go to unknown character, unknown actors. However, Kylie Minogue was cast because she was part of the Australian Actors Guild, right? Mm. And, and Sosoiza wanted to hire an Australian actor because half the movie was actually going to be filmed in Australia. Mm. So by hiring Kylie Minogue, they got a bit of a tax rebate <laughs> so they could get more money to spend on the rest of the movie. Yeah, because normally I suppose Kylie would be able to charge a lot more because she's quite a big star in the music world. Exactly. This is why Kylie Minogue was in it, even though she barely fights, barely does anything, barely says anything, and really did not realise her name was Cammy until halfway through the movie. Mm. I think I saw this at the cinema, you know. (laughs) Why would you spend money? Well, I was young, and... uh, it was like, I didn't know it was going to be terrible. Yeah. When you were a kid, did you like it as a kid? No. <laughs> Even as a kid, you're going, this is rubbish, this is bullshit. 
attack from the air oh. is impossible. Look at Cammy's face. She looks so like done with this movie. <laughs> it's like I am so done already. Look at it. While a single vessel equipped with the latest in stealth technology will come up this stealth boat. What other acting did she do? Well, the neighbors and this. Neighbors. Uh, a few other small yes. bits, I guess, but she's not really like a movie actress. No. I think after this, after this movie, didn't she just think, oh, I think I'll give up with acting, I'll just stick to music? I'll just stick to pop. Because, listen, if, if you've got Kylie Minogue, right? Now, Cammy was a later character, yeah, but she was a pretty cool character, right? She should be in the full, like, one, like, you know, in the full, like, one piece raid a kick butt like legit she does nothing in this movie so let's talk about that let's actually go through the movie bit by bit if we can remember it because i think a lot of it sort of blanked out a bit well it just sort of like yeah you can't really remember the, the structure of it, it mm. it's difficult to kind of do you know what i think the worst bit of it is the movie itself is surprisingly bland Mm. Like, the movie doesn't have anything that's really stand out at all. It's shot very blandly. All the costumes look rubbish. The sets don't look interesting. There's nothing that makes you go, ooh, right? Mm. And I think that's why I'm struggling to remember the plot. I do remember, well, I do remember roughly how it starts. It starts off with a whole bunch of news mm. of... Of, of Shadowloo, about how General M. Bison has now pretty much taken over and is now wanting to take over the world, right? Yeah. Chung Lee appears. Mm. And Chung Lee, who in the video game is like... like Chinese CIA kind of thing, right? Like, he's supposed to be, like, deep undercover kind of stuff, right? Is a journalist here. Yeah. Just like a trashy journalist, like, just looking for any kind of bit of news that she can, like... Yeah, yeah. Like, she's not even, like, doing... She's not even, like, I'm a very serious journalist. It's more like, I'm trying to get a scoop, yeah. right? And so she's talking... Basically, this whole beginning is just exposition. It's just explaining the world, right? Because it does, it does, like, just dump you in there, doesn't it? Like... It doesn't explain anything. You don't know who the fucking bison is, really. You don't know who any of these characters are. You don't know where the fuck you are, because then you reveal they're basically James Bond-like lair. Mm. Of M. Bison, and that's when we're first introduced to Raul Julia, who poor man, poor poor man. He is, however, the best, the only saving grace of this movie. Yeah, because he he plays it like a proper. He hams hams it up really bad, and uh, mm. it, it's awesome though to watch his wide ping pong ball eyes. Oh, they were massive. So there's like the. Uh, he seems to really like the media, doesn't he, Bison? Yeah. He seems to be, like, sort of uh, showing off how evil he is across the media. Oh, oh he does. Like, every time, it, it not, even, and even just in his own lair, he likes to show off. So he likes, to, he likes, he has screens all over the place where he wants to show his face, like, look how evil I am. Or whenever he gets, there's a beta on where he goes and links it, he's like, look how evil this is. I am so evil. He's got hostages, hasn't he? He's got hostages. He's, yeah. kidna he's kidnapped all these hostages, mm. right? And in the meantime, Chung Lee is talking literally the full backstory because there's no time to explain. There's no, there's no real, you know, it's all, sh it's all tell, don't show in this thing, right? Mm. And then so he gets a couple of soldiers at one point and so he starts trying to fight them and i put i'm using air quotes at the minute 
because fighting was literally him just pushing him in a hole. Yeah. It's like, ah! Ah! Okay, now, Raul Julia... Um, here's sort of a thing with Raul Julia. Now, Raul Julia, at this point, was incredibly sick, right? Mm. Um, he was incredibly, incredibly sick. He was basically... He just barely survived making this movie, all right? And it's a real shame on that part. Um, the only thing was is that he did this originally as a... He did this role before his kids. Yeah. Because his kids were a huge Street Fighter fan, right? But the problem with that was is that clearly he's now... His, his final role is in this piece of garbage. Yeah. But at the same time, people will remember you from by your greatest roles, not by your last role. So I always think of him as Adam's family. Like True, his... but you'll also think of him as M. Bison because he is... <laughs> he is this is the thing. He is still a very charismatic man and mm. he's reading it like Shakespeare, right? Yeah. Even if some of the dialogue and line delivery is just mind-boggling, right? Like, absolutely insane. Right. <laughs> What gets me mainly is the fact that the the important characters in the game are not the important characters in the movie. Like Chung Lee, look at her. She's just a reporter. <laughs> Chung Lee is supposed to be like ex, like you know, she's basically Chinese, like uh, CIA, right? And she's just that. Oh, I'm just, a, I'm just, a, I'm just a journalist. Bison's supposed to be like a, it's like a butch Thai man, supposedly, in the, right? In the manga Street Fighter 2 movie, yeah. there's like a really inappropriate but sexy scene with Chun Li in the shower. Yeah, remember that was awkward as hell. And, and, did, and did Guile come in at some point as well? No, it was, it was Vega. Vega. Vega, oh yeah. She in and she had an epic fight with Vega in her apartment. Oh yeah, and she was basically just in a towel. Yeah. Oh, that was impressive. So cool though. Mm. What? We should be watching that instead of this. <laughs> Yeah, but that's a good movie. I oh, know. <laughs> I know. Twenty billion dollars. <laughs> oh. Yes. I know you like to look at yourself on television and see some of a bitch. So look at this. <laughs> 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 that, that's all you need. Break it now. DJ! Wow, look at that CGI satellite. What the hell? Balrog. Balrog. Do you believe this? Why is Balrog a why is Balrog a cameraman? Balrog's supposed to be a villain, isn't he? A villain. Yeah, he's supposed to be he's supposed to be like a bo- a bad guy boxer. Yeah. <laughs> Why Not just a cameraman. Fellow warrior with such disrespect. Warrior, you. If my twenty billion dollars are not delivered by then, the hostages will die, and the world will hold you responsible. Victory! Victory! You hostages, if you can hear me, we're coming. We're coming. Charlie, Charlie, hang on, buddy. We're coming! We're coming! Uh oh. Raul Julia's face in this movie is like the best, isn't it? He's eating the scenery up. Mm. 
I mean, he's the only good actor in it, really. Yeah, pretty much. And he was dying as well. Mm. So this is the man who was incredibly sick and out-acted everybody. Take him to the laboratory. Now, Raul Julia, in this case, he's going in, he's embisoning out and saying, like, I need $20 billion to help my fund to start my new country and I will let you go of all of my hostages. That's literally how he speaks, right? It's like, all of my hostages, right? And if not, I will put on a... bring forth eaten by a beast! It's, it's properly hammy. Really, just imagining his mannerisms is the saving grace of this movie. Everything else could literally could eat a bag of dicks. And I mean that legitimately. It angered me a bit. And then suddenly... The man of the hour shows up on the TV. Mr. Jean-Claude Van Damme. And Chung Lee's trying to interview him and basically just does this, which is just puts his fist up in the air. I got something for you, Bison. Uh, <laughs> and like, wow, what a threat. Which is like an up, an up yours, you know. Yeah, like. which I think is like supposedly a little bit like in the game where it goes, uh, I think it yeah. is. But it looks so... Lame. You don't even see it. The camera is such a shitty angle that you, didn't, you don't even see the full arm. <laughs> so he does that, and that pisses Bison off. And then Bison is, is, is throwing all these soldiers down. And he says, like, I know. Oh, so you think you can stop me? Me, the evil M. Bison. Oh, look at me. I'm so evil. That's basically what he's doing. <laughs> and, and then... For some stupid-ass reason, Van Damme basically starts saying, I'm coming for you all. Do not worry. I'm coming for you. Charlie, I'm my buddy, I'm coming for you. Mm. Like, why? Why purposely name your friend, who has clearly been kidnapped by the bad guy, why did you say something like that? Strategically, that doesn't work. Yeah, because obviously... The, it- Bison would hear that and he would say, right, oh, this is your friend, is it? Okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'll just kill him. (laughs) What are you going to do about that? But he does something worse. He does something worse, not just because it's terrible. It's also because it fucking ruins a whole video game character while we're at it. Mm. So he gets Charlie. And you say, and and when you saw him, oh, it's supposed to be Charlie Nash. Well, I think that they they combine those characters, didn't they? Because Charlie is supposed to be Guile's best friend. Yes. Uh, but they turned him into Blanca in this, didn't they? Yeah, basically, they, changed, yeah. they took Charlie into Carlos Blanca. Mm. And so anyone who knows video games, basically, Blanca's supposed to be this big, green, almost mutated monster that has electrical powers, right? From Brazil. From Brazil. <laughs> Meanwhile, when that happens, right, we suddenly cut back to uh, a random cage fight thing. Mm. So this is this is where the things get a bit complicated. The majority of the half the movie is shot in Australia, and the other half of the movie is shot in Thailand. Yeah. Right? And so obviously you do a lot of this Thai tropes, which is in this case the underground sort of like, you know, kickboxing, kickfighting kind of thing, yeah. right? And this is where we're introduced to probably the thing that frustrated you the most. Mm is everything involving Ryu, Ken, and Sagat. Yeah. So you want to explain what the heck happened here? Well, it seems like you're introduced to them and they're in the middle of some kind of deal. Yes. Uh, like some kind of arms deal or something yeah. like that. And uh, I, immediately you're thinking, why are Ryu and Ken in this situation? Why would they be like that? And, and like, it, it just 
it angers me so much because, you know, they're both supposed to be, like, masters of, like, uh, some kind of karate. I can't remember yes. the name of it. And uh, they're, they're, all their interest, really, is to master their martial arts. Mm. Uh, and, you know, be the best at that, at that much. Not, they're not interested in dealing arms. And kind of like... I know! Like the, 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 They seem to be like, oh, we're smuggling guns here. And it's like, why? None of this makes sense at all. And the, the kind of relationship that they have with Sagat is almost like, well, we don't like you, but we want to make a deal with you, kind of thing. Yeah. It always seems to be like they're kind of like, not fully sort of they fully hate him. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, they're kind of like, well, if he's if he's if it's going to benefit us, we'll go along with Sagat kind of thing. And it's it just the opposite of what should be happening with these characters. I know it's the legit. It's like bizarro world. It's the complete opposite. So Sagat, who is very tiny in this movie. Uh, in in the video game, Sagat is supposed to be like seven foot five and the world's best kickboxer, and he's and he is your favorite character, right? Yeah, to play with, yeah, because he was because you know he's, he's he's like a great martial artist, but very very strong as well. So yeah. he's kind of got both got both skills. He's got there. the best of both worlds, basically. And uh, yeah, and and yet, and he's a really intimidating looking character on mm. the screen. He's like takes up like the whole screen. He takes up <laughs> half the screen, like legit. He's massive, and. Uh, in this movie, yeah, they, they just seem to get any guy with a shaved head and put an eye patch on him. It's and like, there you go. And it, basically, it now looks like, again, going for the James Bond thing that clearly the director was going for, uh, he's basically, he's, he is, you are my number one guy, basically. Right? He is! You are my number one guy. You are basically, you are number one henchman. <laughs> so guys become number one henchmen. <laughs> and that's it. Right? Vega! Vega's one of your favourites. Vega is my favourite. In the game, not in the movie. No, 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 no. But in the game, he's my favourite character. He was just so cool. <laughs> Alright. Look at Ken. What the fuck is Ken? <laughs> he's not even blonde! <laughs> And, Ri- and Ryu, or Ryu, that's where, how, how do you pronounce it? Ryu or Ryu? Ryu? Ryu, right? Yeah. Doesn't look remotely like a, the grizzled sort of, I have been training for many years to finally no. combat against Sagat. Just like, just the fact that he's, it's just, they got any sort it's just of, got any an Asian. Japanese guy, he's just like, yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not, he's not even Japanese, it's just an Asian dude. What's the matter, gentlemen? Surely you're not afraid of your own weapons. Yeah, I remember Street Fighter, they get the game with all the guns in it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what a bunch of balls. Toys. I like my games live. And in living color. <laughs> Finally, some action! <laughs> Go on, kick his butt! How did you forget? <laughs> cool, that's that's pretty cool. Double kick for the windows. Okay, so Sagat 
wants to buy guns off Ryu and Ken so that he can then sell the guns again to Bison. Yeah. Couldn't Ken and Ryu just go and sell the guns to Bison? Why is Sagat in the middle of this? Anyway, right. So, obviously, Sagat, they say, oh, we'll make an agreement. We'll go and get the guns. And then to the, oh, we've already found your guns. Mm. Look, we've already found your guns. And they say, oh, we're going to shoot. Oh, what are you? Are you afraid of your own weapons, are you? Uh-huh. Turns out the guns are toy guns. And so far, so we get it, which is fucking stupid anyway. So basically, Ryu and Ken were trying to outswindle Sagat to get all the money and then go off and do something else. But then why the fuck, why, why are they doing this? It's this, not explained. This was at the time, those popular toys were like those Nerf guns. And yeah, stuff, it looked it? like those Nerf guns, like pew, pew, pew. But they weren't like proper darts, these ones, weren't they? They're like proper balls. Yeah. Like just proper ball pellets. It almost like seems as if, you know when they get shot with the, the soft balls? Yeah. It almost seemed like the music should go like, Wap wap wah. <laughs> what the hell? So basically, it's already null and void of this. And so it's like, oh, you're going to try and swindle me, are you? Let's go. And they go for a fight. And this fight scene isn't too bad, but it's something I really didn't notice about this movie. And I'm going to look at the facts, because I feel the facts also follow suit, mm. is that not a lot of the actors seem to actually know martial arts. Now, if you, if you, if you notice when you're watching the movie... A lot of it is cleverly edited in the fight mm. sequences so that it, they're trying to make it look better than it actually is. Yeah. Because uh, you can always tell, when you watch a good martial arts movie, a lot of it is in, like, a wide shot and you see yeah. everything happening there and then. And then now and again you might cut to a close-up. But if you keep cutting to, like, various kicks and very close-ups... You can avoid any nat- real stuff happening. And like. that's the thing, is a lot of this movie's like that. Yeah. And it's just because it couldn't find people who are generally martial artists. And one thing here is that the cast was actually trained and handled by a Hollywood f- trainer and world karate champion, Benny Ortez, right? So he was supposedly there, right? And, Char- and Charlie Pacini, who was also hired as a stunt coordinator. So you've got these two people, right? Yeah. But a lot of the problem as to why a lot of the fights seem very sloppy is because um, that he took the job with the condition that he would need ample time to train the cast, right? And I bet he didn't get that. He didn't get that. He agreed. However, plans were changed when it was learned that Raul Julia was dying from cancer, mm. right? So the initial plans were to shoot Julia's less intensive scenes first, while the rest of the cast would be training Mm. However, upon seeing Julia, who looks quite skeletal in this at the minute, he looks he doesn't look healthy. He realized that he could not show him to his current weakened state, and so they had to swap so they had no time to train any of the actors. Mm. Which is why a lot of the fight scenes were either interrupted or cut really like rubbishly. Right now, apparently, it's because the director. Um, a couple, a lot of situations occurred with this. Actually, that reason why the movie didn't go well. Right. So, number one, um, originally he wanted to remove any supernatural elements because he wanted to be based as realistically as possible. This is what the director originally wanted. Capcom argued, saying, "No, we need something of this sort," which is why M Bison does have M Bison powers. Right. Yeah. Also, they used the M. Bison powers as an excuse because because Raul Julia was sick with cancer. So it was a way of doing this so he could still have a cool fight scene without having to do too much choreography. Mm. All right. Also, 
and this is what fascinated me and really sort of explains why the movie really did not go well, right? When filming fell behind schedule in Bangkok, D'Souza contacted the studio bosses to request additional time to complete the work. However, Capcom had their heart set on Christmas because they wanted to sell it with merchandise. So yeah. the studio said no, right? This forced D'Souza to making arguably the most contentious decision in order to stick to schedule. While he and half the crew filmed Street Fighter drama-led heavy dialogue scenes during their stay in Australia, Percy and the other half of the crew would go out and film stun-led sequences with different sound stages simultaneously, which means why there's so many goddamn random war sequences in this movie because they didn't have enough time to have more casting because they had to... Because Capcom saying, we want Christmas, we want Christmas, we want Christmas. We want Santa to give you M. Bison dolls. The setup eventually led to a heated confrontation between both between the director and all the fight choreography after the former learned that the latter had failed to incorporate many of the fight Street Fighter character signature moves in the action sequences, arguing that they wouldn't look realistic. So in other words, it basically said that the, the fight choreographer actually removed a lot of the signature fight scenes from it, like the signature moves, Mm. because he said it wouldn't look realistic enough. So not the director. The fight choreographer actually said, you know what? No. No, we're not having the spinning kicks. We're not going to have sonic booms. We're not going to have all this bullshit. The thing is, the people who want to watch this movie and, and are fans of Street Fighter... They don't want it to be realistic. Exactly. They want, to, they want people to be flying around. Like, they want, like, hurricane kicks and stuff. Oh, take off the mask. Oh, he's dashing. <laughs> Vegas supposed to be blonde as well. Yeah, it's supposed to be a beautiful blonde Spaniard. Yeah. Like, it's a rarity, actually. It's, oh, he's go- it's supposed to be gorgeous. I think it's perhaps meant to be, like, bleach blonde. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, I'm so vain and gorgeous. And he knows it. That's the thing. Come on, get to the fight. And Vega would, wouldn't would fight without his mask on. What, at all. That's his main thing. He doesn't want his face to get damaged. Because he is damaged. so gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that a tank? That's a fucking tank with what looks like nuclear missiles on it. Arrest. What happens here is that basically with, with Ken and Ryu having a fight and they throw and they do one cool bit, which is really cool, where they kick two guys through through a window. Mm. And they're like, when they both kick them out, and the guy's like, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. You're going in the cage. And so he gets Ryu and throws him into the cage to fight Vega, right? And this is actually a little funny interaction, but it's not how these characters will react at all. But no. they are like there's still a little bit of fun here, and it looks and feels like, yeah, we're going to get a fight. But it's all talk, because it's talking... Because, again, Sagat's talking about backstory, like how I was called the Iron Fist, mm. and I was the best kickboxer in the world until I retired, and now Vega is the best fighter in the world. Yeah. And like, okay, bollocks. And then he got Ryu with a fucking sword. No, and it's like, if if 
in that situation, if they said like Rio, you can have this sword if you want, he would be able. To, he would think that he would be able to beat Vega without a sword. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't need weapons. And, and that's the like, thing is, he does this, and he's doing a bit of showing off. But that, then, but, but then it's like, what are you doing that for? And then what he decides to do, then I think it's just a very fancy way of saying, I don't need the sword. Chucks it and throws it to throws it behind Vega. It's all saying like, I don't need that. But it's like, why the fuck do you show it off? And the sword is like the worst prop I've ever it's seen. So it, plastic. It look- <laughs> It looks like, like you know, when you have like a child's play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like they they make the swords for like pirates or something. I like got that. a cardboard, <laughs> and so Vega, who's about to put on the claws and the mask, um, who and the thing is, the thing with Vega, he doesn't take off his mask because he's supposed to be gorgeous. Yeah, Vega is supposed to be so beautiful, but a but a beautiful fighting machine that he doesn't want his face to be damaged. Mm. So that's why he does that, right? He says, fuck it. You're not going to have a sword, even though you did this fancy show-off bullshit. I'm going to do that. And in the moment they're about to fight and have what could have been an actually really good fight scene, what happens? I can't even remember. A fucking oh, the tank. tank. Yeah, the tank just bursts through. A fucking and, like, tank goes in. And, and Van Damme just goes, you're all under arrest. That's how it fucking works. It's not even a regular tank. It's a tank with what looks like nuclear weapons attached to it. To f- if that is your way of stopping an underground fight club, that is overly excessive. So that, Vega, Ryu, Ken and everyone else are all thrown into the slammer. It's, yeah, it's it's a weird kind of... It loosely tries to mould the two storylines going on, doesn't it, at that yeah. point? And it's like, Guile would be too distracted with the M. Bison thing to worry about these guys at this yeah. particular time. He just kind of... But it, it kind of sh- massively shoehorns it. And that's the thing. With the tank. It frustrates me. It really does. I don't, I don't know how many different ways I can say it. I know, I know. Oh, ooh. That's the thing is, right, um, as you're going along, we're going to introduce all these characters, right? Like, for example, we're now, we're properly introduced to Cammy, because now Cammy is in, the, is, is in the meeting room as well with all the other people. And we're also secretly, and it takes you a long time to realise this, it took me nearly half the movie to realise this, that T-Hawk's in this. Do you know what's really, you know what else is annoying? Do you know the guy next to him? That guy, the guy with the patch on his head, right? Yeah. You, know, you know you know who that's supposed to be? No. T-Hawk. What? That's supposed to be T-Hawk. Why? I don't know. Because he's apparently Native American, that's it. And it's going down. That's T-Hawk. <laughs> Fucking T-Hawk. T-Hawk! <laughs> What's happening here is then they realise that Ken and Ryu are there. Right, and said, "Aha! So those were with Sagat and Ken, Sagat and Vega, but perhaps we can manipulate them." So Guile randomly takes these two and says some kind of weird ass bullshit thing, and this is where we realise that Guile has a really stupid, over elaborate plot mm. to infiltrate Bison's lair, <laughs> even though it's not that hard. <laughs> like it's really not that hard, people. So. He tells Ken and Ryu, by the sound of things, to fight. So the, 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 all, the, all, the, all the prisoners are being shipped over, and Ken and Ryu fight. And we're looking at this bit and think, this is bollocks. Like, there wouldn't be this bickery, right? And they get a key, and they try and launch and escape. Mm. 
Now, they do this in a weird fashion. They try to escape. And then it looks like Ken shoots Dial, like, immediately and kills him off. Yeah. And we're thinking, like, a bit of relief. <laughs> He's gone now. We can focus on the other characters. But, and then it's, it's, it's... Oh, it's, oh, it's really confusing. It's starting to hurt my head a bit. But everyone was obviously thinking... It, the viewers at home would be thinking, well, Guile can't be dead. It's Van Damme, for fuck's sake. So but then, at any moment, you're expecting him to, you know, come to life at some stage. But it would have actually been quite ingenious to have killed Jean-Claude Van Damme within the first 20 minutes of the movie. Mm. And you're like, oh, oh, my God. So this, this movie's not about him at all. Yeah. Ingenious! Like the psycho switch, like Hitchcock. Exactly! Now that would that, have been... That would be too good. You know, that wouldn't... That would have been, yeah, that would have been too good. But no, right? So Ken and Ryu, Sagat and Vega are all going to Bison somehow, right? Guile is dead. And Chung Lee has now put a tracking beacon on the truck where Sagat's going to go to Bison or whatever the fuck it is, right? Okay, now let's actually talk about the rest of it. So we have Chung Lee... We haven't talked about. Chung Lee is a journalist, right? Yeah, but also a ninja, apparently. A fucking ninja. <laughs> the worst ninja, because it doesn't even look like a ninja outfit. So she goes in and sneaks in, trying to find what seems to be another beaker, like, like, like another like tracking beacon or something in the facility. In the meantime, we're introduced to his two lackeys. Now, what are her two lackeys? Do you want to tell me who they are? Balrog. Balrog. And E Honda. And E Honda. Explain to me who these are. <laughs> because I know what they're like in the game. Who the fuck are they in the movie? Oh, they're, they're literally just her, like, her right hand men. And, like, like they, they work for the, the news company, don't they? Like, like yeah. It, Balrog's a cameraman. Yes. And I don't know, what does E Honda do? E Honda just. Does machines or something? I don't know. But the thing that bugs me the most is E Honda is supposed to be a giant Japanese sumo. Mm. He is a Samoan in this. Yeah. Here we go. Finally, some action. Can I say for a movie that's called Street Fighter, we haven't seen a lot of fighting in the street, in the streets, or anything that looks like a street fight. It's just like, just, it's just they just put the Street Fighter name on it, haven't they? They've literally just stamped it on and just assumed this is the case. Because, oh, you know, Street Fighter. You remember the famous plot about the evil warlord and the war-torn country? Yeah, I remember that. Good grief. Because aren't ninjas a Japanese thing rather than Chinese? Yeah. And she's Chinese. Yes. On top of that as well. But she's not really being a ninja, because I can see her face, for one. Yeah. Two, she's not really being sneaky that well. Like, she's just dressed in black just because. It's not even dark. It was, like, daytime. <laughs> ah, worst ninja ever. She looks more like Arabian, like, like she'd be on, like, a Turkish delight. <laughs> It's like, here, as I give you a belly dance, observe my wonderful treats. Good grief. Rise, Turkish delight, fall of Eastern Prime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Just imagine that just temple with Charlie. Oh, man, it's awful. 
alive. No way I'm gonna. Here's here's a question. How long has it been lying there? How long has it been lying there, faking his own death, waiting for someone to go? Ah, it's all right. <laughs> it must have been what two days. Oh my god! It's just conveniently waiting for Chun Li, obviously. Clearly, it's like, oh, I'm, this is clearly the plot. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the bit that, this bit did make me laugh. Right, so Chung Lee goes into the, goes into the facility of, uh, goes into the regular like, army facility to try and find the other tracker. And they go to the morgue. Now, do you want to explain what happened in the morgue? Well, Van Damme has been waiting under the sheet, like, <laughs> ready to go, da-da, da-da, like, for a long time. Yes! Like, the worst prank ever, like, like a Halloween prank. You know? I know! Like, and he's like, how long was he there? Well, because this could have been, like, hours, a day, two days, where he's lying there having a nap. And this is a perfect example of, of, like, something that would be in a bad movie, because anyone with any kind of intellect would watch that and think that this just wouldn't happen. It's only happened just so that he could surprise Chun-Li in that Exactly. If- That's the only reason that works for that scene. But, like, it doesn't work in terms of logic. Because you can imagine, like, if, if Chun-Li didn't do that, it, he would just be, like, waiting there for ages, like, twiddling his thumbs. Twiddling thumbs. It's like, oh, a bit hungry. <laughs> hey, anyone got a sandwich? <laughs> That's this is your Street Fighter movie, right? Your Street Fighter movie has got very little fight sequences and Guile pretending to be dead in a morgue. <laughs> so this all happened, and Chung Lee is sort of been taken out of the facility for literally just breaking and entering and all that bullshit, right? Suddenly, we are magically teleported to, to sort of like M. Bison's tent. Yeah. Like, he's having a circus party for some fucking reason. And I don't know why exactly that is happening. Like, it's just sort of... Like a filler it's, it's such a filler scene. Because mm. is, is this the thing to exchange the guns, for example? Mm. Is, this the, is this their way of exchanging the guns? Yeah, because doesn't that scene end with uh, Sagat, like, saying... I knew I shouldn't have trusted you, M. Bison. So, <laughs> yeah, because this is where it revealed that basically M. Bison's insane. Now, yeah. here's an interesting factoid. He's got his bison dollars. Exactly. Here's an interesting factoid. Uh, 
Raul Julia, for researching M. Bison, completely ignored the video games, which makes a bit of sense mm. now. We're talking performance. But instead, he researched various dictators and crime lords and all their lives and personalities and mimicked many of their traits incorporated into M. Bison's character. Ex exclusive, notably Mussolini, Stalin, uh, Pablo Escobar, and also Adolf Hitler's love of art. Oh, yeah, because he had that painting, didn't he? The, what Abstract. The, it was him painted like a clown. Yeah. Like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> right? Julia also approached the role in a Shakespearean tone, looking at, looking at Bison in the same type of villain as Richard III, which makes perfect sense as to why all his lines are delivered, like, incredibly hammy. Because mm. there's a bit... One of my best parts... One of my favourite parts of the movie... Is where um, is when M Bison first finds out that Guile is dead, right? And go and Guile and so like, oh, I want to kill him with my own two hands, yeah. with the art of unarmed combat. But why? Why is like this? And he's he's saying this amazing speech over the shitty miniature of Bisonopolis. <laughs> you can see it behind him, can't you? Like. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. And then he's just, he's saying it so, like, seriously and Shakespeareanly and so hammy at the same time. It's actually epic. And then it pads up and you see M M Bisonopolis, which is just a giant fucking skull. <laughs> Yo, you're not evil. You're not a madman. Of course you are. To face Guile personally on the battlefield. You can't even fight. <laughs> One gentleman warrior to another. City is called Bisonopolis. I love it. How original, I right? Snap his spine. Oh. Ah. The road not taken. <laughs> Why? Why do they still call me a warlord? And mad? <laughs> I couldn't think why. I don't know at all. Create the perfect genetic soldier. Yep. Not for power, not for evil, but for good. Thug <laughs> is popping his head from the own model. Carlos Blanca will be the first of many. They shall march out of my laboratory and sweep away every adversary, every creed, every nation, until the very planet is in the loving grip of the backs by Sonica. Wow. And then peace will reign in the world. And all humanity shall bow to me in humble gravity. <laughs> Bisonopolis. <laughs> that is amazeballs. That was beautiful. <laughs> Oh, Zangief. Uh, Zangief has just become the comic relief here, hasn't he? Yeah. He's just here to say a couple of jokes. Oh, man. Just be Russian. This big Soviet Union wrestler. And now he's just a pat. Can <laughs> you talk about Dalsim? Oh, we'll talk about Dalsim in a minute. So, right, actually, let's go, let's go back to this. Because we've missed a major point of it. Because well, I keep fucking forgetting this exists. I forget this movie exists. So... When Charlie Blanca is discovered, right, mm. he takes him down and puts him in this, in, into this chamber. And 
is and there is a scientist. <laughs> it's a bit sort of like it's weird because it's almost like a Bruce Banner type character, but he's instead of like transforming himself into a monster, he's transforming someone else into. Yeah, a monster. exactly. And it's like, <laughs> and the thing is, do you okay? Before we describe how this character is like in the movie, how is this character like in the video games? This is Dalsim we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, he's like, uh, he's just. You know, he's got, he has like like shrunken skulls around yeah. his head, around his like neck and stuff, and and he's like, everything is like he's a like a, a yoga guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. supposed to be like this yogi mm. who who is actually entwined with the energies of the world, which is why he can float, which is yeah. why he can stretch his limbs, which is why he has yoga flame and yoga teleport and stuff like that, right? And that is not. Anything to do with this character in this At movie? All. No. Describe Dalsim in this movie. Uh, he's just like a an Indian scientist who happens to have, and this is the thing. He has. He looks like he's chained up from the neck and hands, like a slave, which makes it apparently make you look like the che- the, the bracelets and the necklace that Dalsim wears in the game. It's fucking stupid. Yeah, what it, it is. is. So basically, this Dalsim is. Is, is a scientist picked up by M. Bison to transform this guy into the ultimate super genetic soldier. Do you think that Dalsim in this movie is supposed to be a bad guy? That, or, But he seems, he seems like he's kind of been forced to kind of... Like I think I think he's being forced into it. I feel like he's been kidnapped. Like, yeah. like, like M. Bison goes, You, sir, are a fantastic man of science. Mm. Take, I will take you and you can create my genetic army. But he goes along with it for a long time before, uh, actually, I will kind of make him a little bit good as well. A little bit good, a little bit good, right? The thing is, the transformation of Blanca in this movie is actually really garbage, right? Because, number one, when, when, like, when he finally, like, shows off, you remember, like, a little time later in the movie, after a couple of really scenes, and then you come back to him, suddenly he's, got, he's bright green, yeah. And got the hair that looks ridiculous. But where the fuck did that transformation come from? Was it no. changing that much? And the thing is, what it seems to me like the machine is supposed to just it, it show, all it's doing is it's showing him violent images. Yes, and like sort of the images of like distress and pain and and, and that's for some reason increasing his muscle mass. It's, it's apparently. But why does he go green with orange hair? There's the thing, right? There seems to be like genetic. Like DNA, like mutagens or something. Now that's probably going into the machine, but it doesn't explain how it works. Mm. So is it is it because he's getting so mad and angry and 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 like pissed off that his anger mixed with DNA mutagens is making him green and orange ginger? <laughs> and on top of that, it's saying like muscle mass at forty five percent. He doesn't look that muscly. At the end of it, he looked just like a bit. It's just like a guy who went to the gym a little bit. Yeah, like it should have been. He should have transformed into something like a John Cena or a or or, or some kind of like bodybuilder Arnold Schwarzenegger size, right? Yeah, he's just he's just gone green with orange hair. That's all it is. <laughs> with the worst prosthetics, mm. like the worst fucking prosthetics, and he has no electrical powers. Because Blank, that was the cool thing about Blank. Blank had electrical powers. I know it. What the way they seem to have got away with that is if if you, if you noticed 
that he grabbed people and he kind of like shoved them into electrical equipment. That's about it. And it looked like they were being electrocuted, but that it was actually the equipment they were being shoved into rather than him electrifying them. Yeah. My science. I hate what they've done with this. Tell you what. Who is that supposed to be? Dalsim. That's supposed to be Dalsim! What did you do? <laughs> He's supposed to be a yogi, and it's like, you know, this power of stretching. It's oh. just like, oh, here's an Indian guy, we'll call him. We'll call him Dalsim and make him a scientist. What is this? Yourself. Images of pain and suffering. Bison's favourite channel. He's not You take risks, Doctor. That's how you DNA mutagens! So Blanca's now just like a scientific cocktail and not like this weird thing they found in the I don't think Blanca's supposed to be a bad guy. No, he's I supposed think to be a good guy. He's supposed to be a victim of an experiment, but it doesn't, it doesn't completely transform his mind so that he's a monster, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can, he's like, he's become this monster, but I think he can still control... Mm. A bit like... Um, Bit like the Hulk, like when True. he when he kind of you know was able to become a hero, like yeah. I uh, yeah, but here's the thing that's bugging me about the movie in general. It's like they get the characters right, but they pick on the wrong part of the character to keep yeah. and remove everything else. I'm sorry, I like with Ru- with Ryu and Ken, it's like an American and a Japanese guy who know kung fu. That's it. Yeah. Ooh, I think it's karate. Yeah, karate, basically. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's like that's all they picked up from it. Guile finds Blanca. And this is actually probably the darkest scene in the whole movie. And do you want to explain that for me? Because I'm, I'm still well, flabbergasted. Well, first of all... It's very surprising that he managed to recognise him. Yeah, because he looks fugly. Because, you know, he's, he's bright green and got orange hair. Yeah. And straight away he's like, Charlie, it's me. Charlie, it's me. He's like, who the fuck are you? And then, I can't remember, does, does, does like, Charlie actually say kill me or something? No, or like, he, say, he says something like, friend, friend, you're yeah. my friend. And... And like, uh, uh, yeah, because he wants help, doesn't he? And he's yeah. Like, help me. And, uh, help and, me. and Kyle's like, okay, I will help you. I'm going to shoot you. That is so dark. It's like, it's, it feels like, I'm going to shoot you. I then kill the bastard who did this to you. It's like, where did you jump to this conclusion? That and it's look, like, and luckily, like, Dal Sim appears. Isn't yeah. It? Luckily, Dal Sim appears, right? And says, no, I've, uh, I've made him so that he is. <laughs> He understands good as well as evil, like. Yeah, but then, but they sort of like saying, "How can you? How can he when he looks like this?" I just, I just, but it's like you jumped quite a few <laughs> leaps. Sorry, a lot, there's a lot of prejudice going on there. He looks like this. He must be a monster, <laughs> pretty much. Because I'm thinking any other times, like you know, it's like maybe you could, maybe you could talk to him. Maybe you could ask for help. Maybe there's a cure. Maybe you can be human. Don't literally jump to, "Oh, you're my best friend. I'm gonna shoot you in the head," and then. Later on in the movie, when he's going to try and get Blanca, Dal Sim is back. This time, Dal Sim's lost his hair. 
And he's Doesn't uh, explain it. Don't explain how he lost his hair. Just lost his hair. He lo- he's lost his shirt. Now he looks a little bit like a yogi, and he's sitting there cross-legged, like stroking Blanca in the back of the head, going. He says he doesn't want to live any longer. It's like, what? So what happened here? It's like saying it has to be by choice. Only, only a choice makes the man, or whatever it is. So that's a yoga phrase, or whatever it is. But like the one that's bollocks. Two. So you condemn him for trying to shoot him, which is dark as fuck it is anyway. But then when he goes to try and save Blanca, you say no, he's not fit to be in this world. Fucking bollocks! <laughs> right, so we've gone to the point that they're all in this sort of tent. And so this is when we realise that M. Bison's crazy because we've already now realised all this stuff has happened. He's gone absolutely crazy. He said, like, why would you want money if I can give you half, if you can have control of a country? And I'm like, oh, okay. And yes, they, gets, I'm like, mm, yeah, I, I, can contr- I can control half a country. And then he opens up this box. And this is where we reveal what, what bison dollars look like. And bison dollars are literally just really cheap Monopoly money with M. Bison's face on it. And it's like, and it's just playing around. It's like, no, this will cost a lot more money once I kidnap people like the Queen and shit. So, and then Sagat's like, you are crazy, man. And this is where they start the argument and the split. In the meantime, there is a weird-ass magic show with Chung Lee, <laughs> Bell E. Honda, and Balrog dressed like Arabs. For no reason. And he does really interesting, like, magic trick with a barrel? Why? I don't know, mm. right? They go and do that. Oh, escape. the barrel had, like, Capcom on. That was an actually cool quote. And also, the barrel is another hint, because you remember in Street Fighter 2, you can kick all the barrels. Yeah, so like with a bonus round. Yeah, the bo- yeah. I love the bonus round. Like, that's, you know what we needed? We needed a moment where E. Honda gets so pissed off, he, like, destroyed a car. <laughs> you know? We needed more of that. We needed someone who's like, you know what? I'm going to do some trade. I'm going to kick some barrels. Ooh. Yes, that is a gun. Yes, that is a gun. Hello, it's a gun. <laughs> Yeah, they look like they don't know what they're doing. Like, oh, yes, that, yes, this is definitely a gun. I'm <laughs> gonna pass it over. Uh, maybe you know how to do it more. Oh, this definitely is a gun. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Ooh. I like half a country. Although I don't know if I want to be half a bisonopolis. <laughs> if you were going to name a, a country or a city, what would you call it? Meanwhile. Um, if it's, uh, even if it's like something stupid like after yourself because I'd call mine Chiptopia 100% <laughs> <laughs> alright so would <laughs> my god why make this so elaborate like if you just want to blow them up just blow them up right make it like shitty video mm. why do this over elaborate plan Zangief. Yeah! Woo! I love the bison dollars. 
I think bison dollars are probably my favorite part because it's like this is one not... bison dollar is worth five British, British pounds. pounds. Once I kidnapped the queen, <laughs> that's not how currency works. <laughs> oh, I'm going to kidnap the queen. Now my money costs more than your money. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know where to begin with stuff like that. I don't know where to begin with this movie. It's really hard to go through. So now I'm in a confrontation and I go, aha. And then Ken and, and on this same time, Ken and Ryu are following Chung Lee and they realize that Chung Lee is all sort of like saying, oh, we have a plan now because, you know, M. Bison like destroyed my village. Um, <laughs> M. Bison destroyed my village. M. Bison's crew destroyed my sumo career and so is my boxing career. Those two don't seem as strong as they destroyed my village. <laughs> and the thing is, I didn't even pick up on those ones. I only, I, the only resentment towards Bison I picked up on, obviously, the obvious Chun-Li one. Like, yeah, and that actually makes sense. And yeah. actually, canon, because that's actually part of the Street Fighter lore. Yeah. You know, because M. Bison, I, while he was trying to take over the... While he was trying to take over and make his country bigger, he actually went and killed her dad and her family and her village. So she does have genuine excuse to beat M. Bison up, right? So Ken and Ryu find out about the plan, but they're told to keep they're told to keep quiet. Yeah. Ken and Ryu go back in the middle of Sagat and M. Bison's crew, literally about to like knock heads at each other, right? Like they are literally just about to just wallop, right? Mm. And just as about to happen, a video plays. Do you want to explain what the fuck this happened? Oh, the the uh, the video—they've actually gone. They gone to the effort of making that video for Bison. Yeah, they made the effort to find a, to to make a video, put a put put like a live feed to the van, have all this extra broadcasting shit hiding in a box in the tent, mm. so that they can have a van full of explosives run into the other van full of explosives. When he st- when what happens is the live feed happens and it just goes when mm. the van started hit and Tangief goes quickly change the channel because <laughs> that's going to change what's happening in life <laughs> changing life like oh the van's not coming towards us now oh that's a relief <laughs> so meanwhile everyone's all doing their own thing and everyone's trying to escape um, and in the same time. Chung Lee has his has her moment. Chung Lee's got actually one of the best bits in the movie, and it's because it's the only part that actually looks like a fighting game. Yeah, because and she actually actually has the the outfit. It's a bit like Tomb Raider, but that that's a bit, a bit like uh, Street Fighter. But that's the weird thing because it's like. That's what M. Bison is chose for. Yeah, because it's really like seedy. Because it takes, it takes. Basically, it's like you come into my boudoir, you wear this outfit. It's like okay. But in the game, that's supposed to be the outfit that she chooses. Very sort of like it's sexy but traditional, I guess. Mm. Right. So it's like traditional formal wear almost. Right. So there you go. She's doing the thing, and she says like, and she goes for this really long, like impassioned, like passionate rant about. Oh, how you destroyed my village and how I have been learning for martial arts from three different continents. How I've been waiting for 20 years to finally get a hand on you. And I love this because then M. Bison goes over and says, For you, it was the worst day of your life. For me, it was a Tuesday. 
And he's just belittling her, belittling her all the time and, like, saying, like, yeah, you're nothing kind of thing. And then all of a sudden she comes alive and is like... And what's funny is all this to the sound at the beginning of what seems to be, like, weird smooth jazz. Yeah. <laughs> and so finally she goes and kicks his ass. Oh, there's also, in that scene, it pans up and you see, like, a skeleton chandelier. <laughs> That is the most goth thing I have ever seen. It is so badass. But it makes you wonder, whose skulls are those? I don't know. Oh, guys, it's, it's, it's like... It looks like something from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah! At a thousand paces. I'm sorry. This is so weird with, like, the chilled-out group. Spinning bad kick! In a minute, it's gotta be. <laughs> it's gotta be, please. Thing is, though, this is so weird. She's opening up and say, like, you know, you destroyed my village. But then there's, like, romantic music playing and M. Bison dressed in, like, the weirdest dressing gown. It was Tuesday. <laughs> yes! <laughs> For me, it was Tuesday. I like the fact he's got... Like different hats for different situations. That, that, that was a sex hat. <laughs> yeah. That was a casual flirting hat. It's exactly what I wanted you to think. Yes! Yeah! Yes! Finally! That is awesome. At least Chun Li gets to do some cool fighting. I know. When did M. Bison need a panic room? She's he's supposed to be M. Fucking Bison, like the hardest boss in the game. Yeah, he's just meant to be like really powerful with electric powers and shit. This is actually becoming quite difficult for me to go through the plot because the plot is now becoming very difficult to sort of explain without getting annoyed, frustrated, or bored. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, we've explained most of it now. Yeah, the only the only last bit we need to explain is the speech from that that Guile gives. Yeah. The speech, the speech, where he gets told by the uh, by the by the uh, by the armed like the uh, Allied forces, and he's told by a very typical British lawyer. We say, like, mm, we're going to negotiate. Mm, go and tell your crew that the war is over. Whatever it is. I fucking love the speech, though. It's so terrible. And you can see that he's so high in cocaine right now and only thinking about bagging Cardi Minogue. Like, that's what literally he's thinking. That's all he cares about at the minute. And he the doesn't is, want to be there. And the thing is, he's telling... He's, he's giving... He's, like, telling his men... Yeah. So, you know, the war is over and, we, we you know... You can go home. And And... The the soldiers are looking like oh they're a bit sad. But the thing is, in real life, yeah. if soldiers were told they could go home, they would they would be like fucking fuck off. Fucking they're relieved. We don't have to fight. <laughs> Hooray! They would be like, oh no, I kind of wanted to fight. Oh, I w- <laughs> oh, I really wanted to beat some people up. Oh no, kind of wanted to risk my life and nearly die. You know, it's fucking terrible. Fucking terrible. I just received new orders. Our superiors say the war is cancelled. We can all go home. 
moving. We can all go home. Okay. Meanwhile, ideals like peace, freedom, and justice, they get packed up. But we can all go home. So can we go home or? I'm not going home. Oh, okay. I'm gonna get on my boat and I'm going up river and I'm going to kick that son of a bitch <laughs> bison's ass so hard. Yes! The next bison wanna be. He's gonna feel it. Yes! Now, who wants to go home? And who wants to go with me? Yay! That was the worst speech! <laughs> oh, oh, he doesn't even look like he's in the room. The speech is ridiculous. Because I wouldn't be moved by that speech. The speech is like, well, I'm going to go and kick M. Bison's ass so hard! <laughs> That the next Bison wannabe will feel it too. And it's like, what the fuck are you on? Oh, I forgot, you're on many drugs. And, um, and it's literally just a bit like what he did earlier in the film where it kind of ends on like a, huh, up yours, Bison. This speech rallies them so much, they all go onto their super stealth boats. <laughs> see, see, the more I'm talking about the plot, how does any of this feel like a fighting game? Like, we're going into stealth boats and we're going to take down an evil warlord with guns. Yeah, it just... Uh, it, it frustrates me. It really is. So finally they all go and he goes in the stealth boat and the stealth boat turned out to be really fucking stupid because you can't really... You can hide from radar, but you can't fucking hide from anyone with a camera because you can see just, like, the water going... Like, <laughs> you're not very stealthy, mate. So you got... So you basically got Guile, Cammy, and T Hawk, but getting shot down by it's shot down in this boat, and they all go and infiltrate. And this is where finally everything kicks off, because finally Guile goes into it, goes into the temple, starts beating the crap out of everybody, right? And now everyone's running amok. Ken and Ryu are fighting against Sagat and, and Vega, where you mention there's a very tiny Hadouken. Like a very tiny ass flashy Hadouken. Underwhelming blue flash out the hands. Eh, eh, right. Best part though, E Honda and Zangief are wrestling. And they're just smashing through. First they smash through what looks like a paper floor. And then they <laughs> and then they just smash like they, they, they wrestle around a bit and smash through a few a couple of walls. Yeah. And then all and then it literally at one uh stage you just go like now E Honda, we've got to go now. And he's like Gotta go. <laughs> oh, you missed the best bit where, they, where, where, where they're fighting on, like, Bisonopolis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and you can hear, like, they're making noises like like Godzilla. Like, it's like, what the fuck? I forgot about that. And that's the thing. E Honda then goes, like, gotta go. And just leaves. It's like, that's it? That's how you want to fight? And then Zangief is sort of there, like, it's like, oh, no. What's happened? Shh, Raul Jr.'s hamming it up again. You shall be killed. Beast. A beast born of my own genius. Raise the incubation chamber. <laughs> it's so great. I love look what he's done there. He's made like a fucking cool ass walkway. Full of knives and shit. 
whoever's Bison's interior designer has put a lot of effort <laughs> into this. Absolutely ridiculous. That was amazeballs! Like he was already the pounce that he fucking dove! <laughs> Finally, there's some actual fighting! Yeah! Fucking E Honda! Yeah, this is when E Honda and Zangief just smash through walls. It's <laughs> fucking. Oh, he's ready. Go on, do the palms of death! Fucking A. The wrestlers go at it. They're finally. <coughs> Power slap. Yeah! <laughs> that ground just took like paper. That was legit paper. <laughs> Maybe that was actually just a patch of paper. They happened just to land on that piece of shit. Finally, we get the showdown. The showdown between M. Bison and Guile. Right? And you're thinking, this has got to be good, right? The whole movie is surrounded on this fight. There needs to be a good fight. And it's all right. Well, uh, it, what's funny is, like, when Guile first comes out, that... Yes, he goes out of the pod! <laughs> flies out in a flying kick. <laughs> he, he's rocketed! Like, he was on rocket boots! <laughs> and he just goes, wah! And just... Kicks, literally, and bites it in the face, <laughs> and doing some actually some signature moves from the game. So he's doing like a couple of roundhouse kicks, a couple of flash kicks. Yeah, and he looks like he's getting his comeuppance on on M Bison, right? And then M Bison gets flung into a piece of machinery and gets electrocuted. Mm. Now I'm not sure it's because we missed it or it's just very terribly explained, but then. This, there seems to be some kind of life support going on. Like, computer, like, <laughs> detects it's M. Bison and sort of brings him back to life. And, uh, we don't, and where's this coming from? Is it coming from the suit? Is it coming from the computers? It just happens to be that he just magic? Because what? It's, it's all happening on one of the monitors. So yeah. that would suggest to me that the machinery that he's gone into is, is what it's curing him. But, but that's so weird. Mm. It's like, you know, no, round two. You need a, you need a round two. It's like round two. And so we need to revive him somehow. And now he has magical M. Bison powers, which I have to admit, Raul Julia's fucking loving. Raul Julia loves that he can fucking fly. And one of the best lines in the movie. So it's like, it's like, so you see me as a god? No, I am better than a god. I am more powerful. I can fly and strike you down like lightning. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. He's eating the walls with that speech. <laughs> ah! Yeah! Yeah! Finally, a little bit of action. Conductor electromagnetism. <laughs> 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 Levitates bullet trains from Tokyo to Osaka. 
It levitates my desk, for I ride the saddle of the world. And it levitates me. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> himself doing that bit. He's just like, wee! <laughs> you still refuse to accept my godhood. Keep your own god. My godhood. Fact. This might be a good time to pray to him. Yes. I beheld Satan <gasps> and he fell from heaven like Wow! Oh my god, that was line. You always in every Van Damme film, yeah. you get that like re- repeating slow motion roundhouse kick thing, don't you? Well, yeah, it's as if that one was like so powerful that it represents like five kicks in one kick. And he's just fucking flying, going, ah! Punches. Flying around, electrocuting Guile. And then finally, Guile just decides, like, you know what? I'm just gonna fucking kick you. <laughs> And so he kicked a roundhouse kick. The signature Van Damme repeating roundhouse. And then kicks right in the face, goes for the screens, and not only does this kill him, the whole base explodes. And so everyone sort of escapes this thing. In between, there's a whole bunch of war happening. Loads of bad guys shooting each other. Doesn't feel remotely at all like anything. And then all the characters escape. So we have... Um, so we have Ken, Ryu, we have E Honda, uh, Zangief, Kami, Ch- Chung Li. Um, everyone else escapes. Guile finally escapes from the explosion, like by minimum, and gives like both Chung Li and uh, and Kami the sexy eye, like say, "I've just gone through a lot. I think we should bang later." Right? That's the look I got. That's the look because they had to do this really weird flirting thing, and then and then the end. With the with with everyone's victory pose, but such like not the way you should end the movie because it's just like oh my god you know how many people have died yeah yeah <laughs> I've actually had enough of talking about this movie but if you have to sum this up as a whole what would you say about this movie? You have to summarise it. We've gone through the entire movie and even we were struggling to find anything good about this. Not a lot of there good isn't, in this. There isn't anything good. I can't think of anything good about it. It's, it's a very, very bad conversion of the game. Because if you, if you think about it, when it comes to video game movies, yes. all you've got to do really is be faithful to the game in some way because yeah. that, because that's what the audience is. The audience love that game. Mm-hmm. They're going to c- come and see the movie. Yes. So please them. That's all you need. Yeah. It's not 
it, in, in a weird way, it shouldn't be that hard. You need to have to be loyal enough to the source material as well as maybe do a few little things that make it interesting that work for a movie, mm. right? But this has nothing, like barely anything like the games yeah. at all. And it's bollocks. Out of all the ones we've watched, this was the one that was the least fun. Yeah. And that is so sad knowing that I used to love this movie as a kid and I used to play all the Street Fighter games and now this is now going to go right into a fucking black hole. Just chucked it, for those who haven't heard it. I just chucked the cover with rage that this game, this movie gave me. So they couldn't have done, like, a worse job. It's just... It is painful. And so much stopped this movie from actually making any kind of coherent sense that the movie ends up being dull as dishwater really not funny or interesting. Only a few one-liners here and there, that's good, and nothing like the video games. If you want something better than this, just play any Street Fighter game and make up your own plot, because that or, makes more sense. if you want a good movie, watch the Street Fighter 2 manga. Yeah, the anime. That's it good. It is very good. Yeah, it's better than all the other Street Fighter movies out there, because there are a few. Mm. We're not touching those again. So... We're going to wrap it up here. Thank God for that. So, <laughs> both out of breath. We're out of breath. We're done. We're sick of this movie. We are actually done. Next time round, we're going to actually go for something which I know is going to be a treat. And we're going to do a famous remake. And that's all I'm going to say about that number. So, with that in mind, keep an eye on your trash. There might be some treasure in there. See you guys later. See ya. This podcast has been an enigmatic production. It's hosted by Yoach Paul and music by Edward Harvey. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the podcast. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher Radio and Buzzsprout. Share it, like it, write a review. For more information on our other projects, check out our website, www.enigmaticproductions.co.uk. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it around with movie lovers you know. Maybe add a star rating or write a good review. All of this helps with the algorithm and provides us with more opportunities to reach the ears to a whole new bunch of bad film fanatics. Want to find out more about us? Then head over to our socials where we provide sneak peeks and up-to-date news on everything nostalgic and trashy. You can find our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages in the description. So please, follow us. See you next time, cinephiles. <laughs>